Well, thanks for joining us this morning for worship. Uh, we have such a talented worship team here to lead us in the music and opportunities to partner with individuals like Tammy and Love, Inc. Uh, it just really is a great body of believers to be a part of, and I'm thankful to be here today with you. Uh, my name is Pastor Dave Mergens, and I'm the pastor of adult formation here at Alexandria Covenant. And today I'll be wrapping up our series on the Gospel 101. And when I say wrapping up, it's not a... a Complete closure, because the next several weeks, three weeks, I believe, post my message, there will be people up here that Trinity will interview that you'll get to hear their testimony on the impact the gospel has had on their lives. So you're going to get a conclusion to this series in one way and just see the evidence of the gospel in people's lives uh, up until the time that we have Easter. So today I really want to look at what, it, what it's like to live like Jesus. But let's start with a recap on the Gospel 101. If you're joining us for the first time in this series, you can quickly get your bearings at where we're at by looking at the image behind me. We talked about God the Creator. So we know that God gave us life and breath in all things that we have. And that beauty of creation lasted until sin entered into the picture, and then it was marred by man's choice to sin. And we see that in the Garden of Eden and what happened with Adam and Eve. And because of that, we experience the brokenness of the world that we're in. But God didn't leave us there. He sent Jesus. And that is the gospel message, that Jesus came, he died on the cross, and he rose again, and he offers all who believe in him and confess with their mouth, he offers those people eternal life and life in Christ. And our response is to either choose to follow Christ or not, is really plainly how to say it. And so we have a great opportunity now to talk about what does it look like if you have said yes to Jesus. So even if you're sitting here today or you're in our patio or you're online and you've said yes to Jesus or maybe you haven't, uh, regardless of where you're at, I want you to hear what is it like to live a life for Jesus? What does that look like? And maybe if you haven't made that commitment yet after today, you may want to, and I'd encourage you to talk to myself or one of the pastors on staff, um, or just come find me after the service or send a message on our, through our website, and I'll follow up with you. But I'd love for people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in that way. So the gospel's not just about making sure that you're in heaven someday. There's actually a component of this that we get to live out now. And so why should you live for Jesus? Well, that's what I'm going to tell you today. So if we open up to Matthew chapter 7, uh, if you don't have your Bibles, the words will be on the screen. Um, otherwise, there is the YouVersion Bible app, and you can follow along on there. I'm reading mostly from the NIV version, but I think most of the versions capture the essence of this story. So Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. He's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he had taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. 
Would you pray with me? God, the reading of your word is the most important thing that can happen up here on a Sunday morning because it's not my words that change hearts. It's not the words of a song that change hearts unless they're reflecting your word, God, but your word does not go out and return void. God, it does something to us that your Holy Spirit works through your words to change, to mold, to shape us, to be more in your image. So may we be transformed this morning by what it says in the word of God. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus uses this parable to lay the foundation for living as followers of him. Uh, If you're familiar at all with this section of the book of Matthew, this particular passage that we read from today comes at the end of his famous Sermon on the Mount. So you have chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 are this huge discourse that Jesus gives on on really for the first time this massive sermon and and, and shares with crowds. We know crowds were there because it says the crowds were amazed at his teaching, but he shares all of these new revelations and ways to think about the law that they had never really thought about or considered before. And there's a couple of things you'll notice immediately about the text. Uh, The first one is this. It's a parable. Jesus used stories all the time to convey truth and to convey principles. He would take stories to help people to understand so that they would enter into the story themselves and think about it from first-person perspective. And this gave them more insight into what he was saying. The second thing you'll notice is it starts with a therefore. Now, pro tip when it comes to Bible study, anytime when I'm reading scripture and I see a therefore, I've trained my mind to ask what came before. Because he's saying therefore, which means all these things that he said prior to this now lead to this moment where he's saying therefore. So because of this, now think this way. Uh, There's two builders in this story. One of them builds his house on the foundation of a rock. The other builds his house on the foundation of sand. Both builders build a structure. Both of them experience a storm. In fact, the way the storm is talked about in here, it's repeated the same way twice. But the main theme is building. And as those of us who are living for Jesus, that is the phase of life that we're in. If we've said yes to Jesus Christ, we are now in the building phase. But before we get there, I want to show you the top 10 most impressive buildings in the world since we're on to the topic. So I went online and I just researched building because uh, the topic of the conversation this morning as revolves around that. And these structures are magnificent works of art, engineering. Uh, They took years of careful planning and laying out all the plans and the way that these things were constructed. They took multiple, multiple people over years to build these huge structures. Uh, I I couldn't name any of them except the Burj Khalif, which is the really tall, needle-looking one, kind of in the center there. And that's the tallest building in the world. Uh, But 90% of these actually aren't in the United States. Uh, They're actually found abroad. So if you're interested in seeing any, you got to either Google it or you can go abroad to see them. But these buildings are incredibly impressive, and they really are the pride of the community and a testament to the ingenuity of the people who put them together and the artistic thought behind them. But all of these buildings have one thing in common, one thing that if they don't have this, they're nothing. That if if they don't have this particular element, these buildings will immediately crumble upon any storm. And that's the foundation, that all of these buildings have a foundation. It's unseen. 
We always see what's on the surface, but you don't see how deep these foundations run. Foundations are deep and they are the lifeblood of any structure. And like these buildings, our life represents a construction of a structure. That we are building lives as we live and act and move and creation and culture and the way that we go about our lives, we are in the building phase of living for Jesus. And that's what it means. Uh, I, I want to just throw a reminder out there. So, and that's this. Now, building your life for Christ does not equal salvation. It's what you do after you've said yes to Jesus. That there's nothing you can do or else it, God, we wouldn't need God. There's nothing you can do to cause you, your salvation. We can't earn it or work really hard to achieve it. But it's given to us freely from God as we confess and believe. And from that, we build right? We've been given a great gift, and now we're motivated to build a great life out of what God has commanded us to do. And this is the building phase. Um, I learned all about building, which I am by no means an expert in. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm barely a skilled grunt when it comes to building. And uh, I just happen to have a father-in-law who does a lot of construction, so I've learned a few things over the years. But my very first home, uh, we needed a shed in the backyard. And we looked around, we said lawnmower, snowblower, shovels, sleds for the kids, all these things. And I'm like, I barely get my cars in the garage. What am I going to do with all this stuff? So like any good husband, I, I went online to look at Wayfair for uh, a nice shed, right? So that my wife didn't have to trip over anything in the garage every time she walked out there. And I found the most beautiful, amazing plastic building I could find. I chose plastic because I was good at Legos when I was a child. And I figured... Can't be that hard, right? <laughs> Carpentry is not my thing, so plastic's already cut. You just kind of assemble and put it together as you need to. So I, I got this thing. It shows up at the house, and it came on a bigger truck than UPS normally de delivers them on. The guy had to, like, lower it down on a lift. I mean, this was just, I had to disassemble it at the bottom of the driveway, pull it up piece by piece. It was a massive shed made of plastic. And I'm like, all right. I take one look at the instruction manual, briefly glance at it, and decide, okay, it's pretty easy where these things go. We'll just put it together. So I began working, and hours went by, and my wife was kind of looking at me like, okay, he's still out there working, it's supper time, like, finally I get this thing put together, I'm sure the neighbors were watching with a bu bucket of popcorn from their windows, like, watching the clown show going on out there, and here's me, and I get this huge shed built, all out of plastic, I felt really good, I, I, the doors didn't quite close how I thought they should, so I was like, eh, but if you kind of force them a little bit, they went in, so I was like, whatever. Um, the next week, we get a massive storm that hits the Champlain area where we lived. And no joke, this storm came into the backyard, and I'm looking out the back window, watching the roof blow off, <laughs> watching the walls come collapsing down, and this whole thing just falls apart, right? And, and I'm just so frustrated, like, what happened? Well, I went to the troubleshooting section on the instruction manual, and in bold letters right at the top, it said, Level your foundation. <laughs> I was like, ah. So I shouldn't have just kind of eyeballed that when I set it out. And that's probably why the door didn't close the way that it needed to when I set it up. And it, it taught me a very important lesson. Foundations matter. The foundation of our life matters. It doesn't matter how beautiful the structure is on top. You can build the most elaborate shed or most amazing building in the world, one of the top 10 marvels of buildings. But if you have a poor foundation, things are going to crumble. 
the first storm that comes up. So here's what Jesus has to say about this. So this is verse 24. Foundation number one, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Hearing and practicing, hearing and practicing. This is the first builder's experience. The building that stands the storm is the one built on the rock, which is the one that's founded because of hearing and practicing. I know that this is earth-shattering, but as Christians, we are called to put Jesus' words into practice. And by doing so, we're building a foundation. We're building a foundation that can withstand a storm. So what are you supposed to put into practice? That's the next logical question. Um, I summed up a little bit of the Sermon on the Mount here on the slide behind me. And uh, again, these are, these are very short, succinct summary verses on this. So if you really want to understand the, the meaning behind this, go and read the Sermon on the Mount. It's a beautiful passage where Jesus lays this stuff out. And there's a lot of resource on there to understand more. But I'll just highlight a few of these. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, be the salt and light. We had the chance when we were in COVID lockdown, because most of our staff were in quarantine, by the way, which is why the month of December, uh, we weren't really functioning as a church because there was no one left too. Uh, We were all at home. And so we're like, how can we still do ministry? What's a great way to reach out given our current circumstance? So we called it the Salt and Light Campaign. And we worked through organizations like Love Inc. We worked through other places in the community. We wrote cards. We reached out. We made phone calls. We did everything we could to live out our gospel lives in and around people to encourage hope and point point people to Christ. It's one of the things that Jesus calls us to do. Mind your anger and reconcile. He he talks about how we ought to respond and relate to people, that, that fighting anger with anger is not what we're called to do, right? That we're supposed to love people in the midst of our feeling towards anger towards them and reconcile. I mean, it was God who first came to us while we were yet still sinners, and he asked us to reconcile in the same way because we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. He says to live lust free, that the way that we think about people should be holistic and it should be pure, that we should not resist an evil person, that we should keep our word, that we should love our enemies, that our generosity be done in secret. Not if we should be generous, but we should. And how we should do that should not include a lot of fanfare. That we should pray, pray diligently, that we should fast uh, some of you in, in the season of Lent like to fast, and it's a great practice to have. Whether it's a long time fast, whether you fast for a meal just so you can pray. God calls us to do these things. We don't talk about it a lot in church, but here it is in the Sermon on the Mount. Store up treasures in heaven. Stop worrying. Um, I'll pause on that one for a second. That, that, that's a hard one. Uh, just to be honest, that's one of my bigger struggles is worry. And during this season, especially as difficult as things are and as unexpected as they are, this is one I've constantly had to go to God and say, all right, God, (laughs) even this morning as I'm preparing to to speak this morning, all the things didn't work out quite how I wanted them to. So then I, I feel the anxiety rising and I just go back to, okay, what did Jesus say? He said, don't worry, but by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And so even a foundation for somebody to come up here and share the word of God begins with practicing what he says. And I got a good opportunity to do it this morning. It says, judge others before yourself. Ask God for what you need. I think it's safe to say this list is not exhaustive, right? That when you read the words of God, there are so many things in God's word that we can apply 
And by applying God's word, we're building a foundation, a beautiful foundation that will hold up any structure on top of it. You see, attending church does not guarantee a life built on a solid foundation. Let me say that again. Church attendance does not equal a solid foundation. What do I mean by that? I mean this. Both builders in this story heard the word of God. They heard it, but one had a poor foundation and one had a strong foundation. You can go through life hearing God's word, whether it be in church, whether it be on a podcast, on a sermon that you see on, on, on YouTube or Facebook. You can, you can have conversations about it. And you can hear people talk about it, but it's only in the hearing and the practicing of God's word that we see real foundations being built, the hearing and the practicing. Living for Jesus means doing what he says. And it's hard to do. James explains this a little bit more in James chapter 1, verse 22 through 24. James says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You see, I was foolish when I built the shed, right? I deceived myself to think I knew what to do. And so I skipped reading the full instructions on it. And I said, eh, right, I'll just make it happen. It's, it's like big Legos. <laughs> well, I was foolish and I deceived myself. And so I didn't put the foundation down that I needed to, and, and the result was clear. Listening and doing equals building a firm foundation, and there's no way around that. Everyone is going to build. Everyone's going to build. The parable Both people build. Everyone in the story builds. The question is, which foundation are you going to build? Here's the second foundation that Jesus talks about in verse 26. But everyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. You see, here's the tricky part of this. You probably wouldn't recognize a difference in the structure. Both men probably went to the same place to get their supplies. If they're in a similar location, they're probably of the same culture. So they would have had similar architectural designs, right? Maybe a little bit variance and difference, but, but they would have both built a structure. And you looked at it and you're like, oh, that house looks really nice. And well, that house looks really nice too. But what you can't see is what will get you into trouble. And that's the construction of the foundation. Doing makes a difference. This is the hard work of the Christian life. It's hard because it doesn't make sense to this world, right? When we live for Jesus and we follow what he says, people around us are like, why are you loving that person? They treated you terribly. Why do you offer forgiveness? Why do you live a life that's not filled with lust and and thinking this way or or trying to, you know, build up wealth for yourself? Why are you thinking, why do you do these things? Why do you give away money to the church? It doesn't make any sense. Following Jesus doesn't make sense. It's a long game. It's not a short game. It's a long game. You're seeing in the future what he's calling you to do, and you're living now to build for that. So a good example, that's Noah. Hebrews eleven seven. 
says this, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. (laughs) We've never seen the second coming of Jesus Christ, but he says he's coming. And any guy who says, I'm going to die and raise in three days, and then tells me that he's coming back, I'm going to believe him. (laughs) How could you not? No one else has done anything like that. But none of us have seen it before. It's not happened before. His second coming hasn't taken place. He came the first time, but he hasn't the second. I hope you're seeing a theme here. There's a faith component to living for Jesus. You see, it took Noah years to build a boat. They'd never seen a flood like that. Who knows, it might not have even rained before then, as some scholars may suggest. But he builds this boat for years, laying plank after plank and deck after deck, and he builds this massive structure. And I'm sure every day, somebody was mocking him for it. (laughs) What are you doing that for? And in faith, Noah had to say, it's just going to keep putting these boards up. I'm going to keep building this boat because I believe God. Because I believe God. And that's what the Christian life is like. We wake up in the morning and you say, okay, Lord, what do you have for me today? What does your word have? I'm going to read it and do it. It's like building a boat for a storm you've never seen. Sometimes you don't see the results right away. There's no instant result. I've prayed for years for things to happen in my life. And sometimes God says, no, you're going to wait. But I've always seen God to be faithful. But I just keep building that foundation because that's what we're called to do. After building comes the testing phase. So living for Jesus always has a testing phase. Both builders in the story experienced a storm, and the storm was no different. The storm hit both of them. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. You see, there's two types of tests that we experience. We experience a test now in this life, right? We'll just call it COVID-19. <laughs> so we've experienced a test now. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe it's the, the difficult nature of the season that we're in. But we're going to experience storms. Everyone does, whether you believe in Christ or not. But then there's also a testing that'll happen someday when God looks at the, the whole entire brevity of our life and says, what have you built on? Let me see. And everything that's not built on the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, is whisked away. Testing's not comfortable. So when you read the text and you see this, it's, so you're telling me to build a foundation I can't see to withstand a storm I've never experienced. I mean, these are the objections that come for living the Christian life. How how, how will this play out? Sometimes it doesn't. I think of so many of the Old Testament prophets who for years shared the coming news of the Jesus Christ and they were persecuted and killed and mocked and it was not a happy ending for them in their lifetime. They didn't get to see the result. Sometimes we won't have the comfort of a good ending in the current life that we're living, but we got to know that Jesus is coming again. And this testing is difficult and I get it, but what is it like to test an unseen foundation? As I was thinking this through, um, I was doing some research on building and I came across a phenomenon in China that they make glass bridges. It's a thing. So there's a picture up behind me here of a glass bridge. And this is right? Don't look at this if you're scared of heights at all. Um, this is the, let's get this right, the Zhang Bridge in China. It's over the Grand Canyon of the Chinese landscape that they call it or whatnot, and I probably totally butchered a bunch of things about it, but you can see in the picture behind me, they're not messing around. Like, 
This bridge is 1,400 feet long. It spans about a gap of about 1,000 feet above ground. So when you walk across this, you are looking down 1,000 feet. And oh, by the way, you can't see anything underneath your feet. Um, that's scary. <laughs> In fact, as I YouTube this and was kind of figuring out how they built it and what it looked like and what's going on, uh, super funny. One of the engineers built into it and some of the panels, um, LED displays that when you step on this, it's pressure sensitive, cracks form around your feet. It was awesome. Like the people in the video were like freaking out, trying to grab the edge and, and going all over the place. And I was like, oh yeah, super funny. I'm a kid at heart, so I, I love that stuff. Um, I probably would have been scared. It's much easier to talk about this than it's actually to go on something like this. But, but this is what it's like to live the Christian life, right? We build this foundation. We build this foundation through listening and doing the word of God. And then we experience a test and we're stepping out on that thinking, okay, I built this thing. I've been praying. I know God. I'm in a relationship with him. Now I'm going through this difficult time. It's like walking on a glass bridge. You can't see the foundation, but you know it's there because you've attended to it. And you just don't know how this is going to go. It reminds me a lot of Peter. So in Matthew 14, um, the story of Jesus walking on the water, uh, there's a storm, okay, another testing that's going on. The disciples are out rowing the boat, and Jesus comes walking to them on the water, and they're freaking out. He's a ghost, and Peter says, okay, Lord, if this is you, tell me to come. So, come, he said. Then Peter got down into the boat. He walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Just imagine this. It's crazy. Peter in this moment is trusting something he had no business trusting. He knew water. The boat was floating right there, right? Buoyancy applies to boats, not to people all the time. The second he stepped in the water, he knew what would happen because he stepped in the water before. But he put his faith in Jesus. And that foundation kept him walking on water. The only man to ever do that, aside from Jesus Christ, who is also God. It's just wild to think about him. But there's a button here. <laughs> When he saw the wind, he was afraid and he beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I hope you see the faith theme in this, right? That during testing, we're going to have those moments where we feel like I'm sinking. <laughs> I, I, I trusted and, I, and I've done the right things. And, and now I, I took my eyes off of Christ. And now I'm sinking. Jesus save me. And in his mercy, he does this. He did it for Peter. And I trust that he does it for us too. That we will have moments where, man, if, if you're walking across that glass bridge and you step on one, it looks like it's going to crack. And you're looking at that. Of course, you're going to freak out. But you know, when I watched that video, the people who didn't panic were the ones who were looking at the other side of the bridge. They didn't look down. They just kept going, right? Because we have an author and perfecter of our faith. And that is Jesus Christ. And as we fix our eyes on him, we can weather any storm. And there will be storms. It takes faith to build a foundation you cannot see and faith to remain focused during the testing. But it will happen. Every one of us in here builds a foundation and every foundation will be tested. Faith is the key to living for Jesus. And what are the outcomes? Well, I'm going to list a couple of outcomes. So if I list these for you, I want you to hear, okay? 
These are the promises that, that if somebody said, okay, this is what you would get for living for Jesus, would you do it? First one is this. If you live for Jesus and put faith in him, you will be standing strong after any storm has passed. If you live for Jesus and put your faith in him, you will grow in maturity. You won't be lacking anything. You will be complete. If you knew that would be the outcome, would you live for Christ? Don't take my word for it. Look at James. James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, that perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, the Christian life is not an event. It's a process of trusting and obeying, of hearing and doing, of building a foundation on solid ground so that you can have the confidence that what you can't see will withstand what you've never seen before, right? That God has and will test us in ways we've not yet experienced. And by building a foundation, which largely goes unseen, we don't see the work that goes on with this but we believe it happens when we obediently follow Christ. It doesn't make sense. It requires faith, but it produces life. And that's what it looks like to live for Jesus. Build a lasting foundation by doing what Jesus says. Build a lasting foundation by doing what Jesus says. Is it easy? By all means, no. Is it worth it? Absolutely. That when we build in this way, we can expect that regardless of the storms, and they will come, regardless of the storms, we will be standing strong because we built our life on Christ, the cornerstone, and nothing less. It's Him. He is who we put the structure of our life on. Would you bow with me as I pray? Lord, I pray for our church right now. I pray for our community. God, we have had some storms. We have had those moments recently where it has just felt tough. And God, you know our hearts. You know where we're struggling. You know where we're taking our eyes off and we're sinking. And and Jesus, I just ask that you would just reach out, give faith to us who need it that you would encourage the faith of those who are going strong but may feel weary. And Lord, if there's someone here that has yet to receive you as their Lord and Savior, that after this morning, God, that they would proclaim, Jesus, you are Lord and you can be trusted. So Lord, I pray that these words, not mine, would shape our foundation, that by hearing and doing the word of God, we would be solidly on the rock. In Jesus' name, amen.